Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm not Dan Patrick. Unsurprisingly, I'm Nick Eber and my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Well, he's not Dan Patrick either. Uh, Kartik, we've got a lot to get to today, including a full slate of Premier League matches this weekend. Let's take a look at the sack race and some of the odds there. I think you might be surprised who's number one. I'm going to ask you actually right now, without looking, Kartik. <clears throat> who's number one on the sack race? Without looking, I would say, uh, I think the Pochettino is number one in the next to leave the club. Now, I don't know if by sack race, you mean technically someone who's going to get the sack. No, you get if, paid I, I if, if they the leave. Sack, it's Marco Silva. No, it doesn't so, matter. Uh, leave or sack. But actually, Marco Silva is currently atop of the sack race okay. uh, at five to four odds. And uh, we'll go through all of these. Let's go through the sack race. We'll give you some good odds on who you think is going to leave next in the Premier League. Who's going to be the next managerial departure? Plus, we'll go through all the matches in the Premier League. Uh, Brighton, Tottenham, Burnley, Everton, Liverpool, Leicester, etc., etc. So much to get to. Exciting stuff. 800-878-7529. play if you'd like to give us a call in the studio. Plus, speaking of Tottenham Hotspur... Well, we're going to be talking about just who is Vertonking who. There's uh, apparently some rather nasty rumors emanating there from the Tottenham camp, although I do want to say in advance they have been denied uh, by both the players involved. But let's tell you what they are and try and get an insight into the problems in the Tottenham locker room. All right, loads to get to today. Find us on Twitter at Fist Street Sports. Find us on Facebook at Fist Street Sports Talk. Um, you can find us here in the studio, by the way, Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's every day of the week. We're bringing you the beautiful game right here on these very networks. And if you're listening via the American Forces Network, we'd like to say a big hello to our men and women in uniform. Also, if you're listening on one of our digital platforms as well, whether that's iHeart, TuneIn, or the award-winning SiriusXM app, we welcome you to the show. I'd also like to welcome Kerry to the show. I know she's listening out there somewhere in Las Vegas. And, uh, Kartik, I know you want to say hello to your wife before you get into trouble, don't you? Yeah, although she's in the next room with, uh, with our niece. So, uh, but, yes, hello, Beth. All right, there you go. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back to kick it all off. Don't go anywhere. Right here, Fistory Soccer. All right, welcome back. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. By the way, uh, I had a number of people ask me about the if there's a podcast for our show. So I wanted to just make this clear. Uh, this show is podcast in a number of places. Uh, you can find it on the iHeart or TuneIn uh, as part of our regular live broadcast. It's a podcast on the SiriusXM app. But if you go to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, that's the, the official home of the Fifth Street Soccer podcast. And the podcast's uh, sans commercials, I know that'll make everybody happy, are available almost within, oh, let's say, 10 minutes of the end of the show at Believe.com. So if you want to check out the podcast that's a great place to do it. All right, let's get on with it, shall we, Kartik? Because there, uh, there are a lot of games 
uh, this weekend. I want to don't just want to give out our picks and predictions. I'd also like let's take a look at some of the odds on some of these games and see if there is uh, any value there. Uh, let's go to the Amex and kick it all off, shall we? First uh, match is Brighton Tottenham. Uh, that's at the Amex, and uh, this one is uh, should be for my money. A fairly easy Tottenham win, to be honest with you. Uh, the odds would suggest that Brighton, even though they're at home at plus 357, Tottenham are minus 121. But Kartik, you never know with this Spurs team. I mean, they're just pretty awful. I don't know what else to say, despite getting a 2-1 win at home against Southampton last time out in the Premier League. You just don't know what you get with this team. I mean, the midweek tonking they got at the hands of Bayern Munich uh, should let you know just uh, how unpredictable this team is. Oh, looks like we're going to have to do something to get Kartik back. There he is. Now we got him back. Uh, sorry about that, Kartik. Yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think we. Uh, I don't think at at any point we thought it would be a shock if Bayern beat them. Uh, obviously, Spurs were at home, but it was the manner of that defeat which indicated a capitulation. Yes, Bayern, one of the best teams on the continent, but uh, Spurs. Uh, in fact, I I didn't know this until John Nicholson mentioned it. Uh, uh, this the uh, yesterday that that was the single largest defeat ever for an English club in Europe playing at home. So uh, there, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the the, the Vertonghen, um, Ericsson uh, rumors, those, those possible issues. There is something very wrong in that dressing room. I'm not surprised to now hear these rumors because I thought it was something beyond football. Uh, Brighton are just poor. They had a, a, a good win the opening day of the season, but they just, Graham Potter is a good manager, but they just don't have enough. So I'm going to say this will be one of the patented Pochettino uh, grind out results where they end up winning 1 0 or 2 1, but it's a, it's a Kane or Sun goal in like the 89th minute or in stoppage time uh, because I don't have any confidence that they can actually go away from home. We know how bad they've been since last April, last March, and and uh, put a team uh, to the sword early. So I think they'll win, but it'll be it'll yeah. be uh, late late on. Well, so let's talk about those rumors. Uh, you know, Kartik, you and I have been speculating about what's going on at Spurs. Uh, uh, the first thing that I said, and 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 I still believe this to be the case. I don't think it's any one thing in particular. I think it's a combination of these things. Uh, was relating to. Tottenham's run to the final of the Champions League last year, Pochettino saying uh, prior to that match that if they won, he would leave. And I said last week, or was it Wednesday, I think, on this show, Kartik, I said to you, you know, that message that he's giving to his players is an absolute terrible one. Because what it's telling them essentially is this is the best it's going to get if we don't win this now. We're never getting back here. Uh, we're not going to win the league. We're not going to get back to the Champions League final. So... So, pooey to you. That's sort of what that message said. So, I think you combine that. That in and of itself, I don't know, would have been enough. But then all of a sudden, these rumors start to percolate. And, you know, percolate wildly, I might add, in the English press. That Jan Vertonghen was Vertonking Christian Eriksen's wife. This apparently is cause of some of the rift in the locker room now. I what must say I do love the titillation, and, and I'm sure our listeners and uh, appreciate you know this line of discussion. However, I, I would like to say clearly this has been denied by both players. Whether you believe those denials or not, it certainly is a plausible explanation for some of the issues that are going on at Tottenham. It makes sense, doesn't it, Kartik? 
Yeah, it does make sense. Now, uh, uh, who knows about this particular set of rumors uh, and and uh, the this these two players maybe being the two that on the outs with one another. But clearly, there are players not on the same page with one another. And Pochettino has lost uh, kind of law. And, and it's, this is a tough management situation. I mean, this is this was the situation that Carlo Ancelotti. Let's say this is hypothetically true or something along the same lines. Found himself with with John Terry. Wayne Bridge had moved That's to right. Manchester City yeah, once Bridge was already gone. Came out. Well, well actually, but hold gone. on, hold on. But but there was a difference here because Wayne Bridge had already broken up with this girl supposedly yeah. before the before John Terry started seeing her. So, it's not quite the same thing. Right. And and I I do have to mention also though that that uh Chelsea won the league that season. Uh, Manchester City finished 5th. However, Manchester City uh uh, ripped them to shreds twice when they played them because of this issue, right? Um, the Manchester City players were motivated to play for Wayne Bridge. So it was, um, you know, I, I, it, it's a thing that can, and, we, and actually we have an example closer to home, which is the U.S. team in 98, um, which was one of the more talented U.S. teams that ever went to a World Cup. Um, but they finished last in that World Cup, and it was many years later we found out why. Although, quite frankly, Nick, you and I have been around the game, you particularly in Southern California, uh, the rumors had always been there. So um, there was, I I don't want to get too deep into it, but there was a prominent uh, player and another prominent player, two of the best players on the team, and uh, a situation similar to this. So the way Spurs have performed, I think there's got to be something, if it's not specifically these two guys, although... Where there's smoke, there might be fire because these are the two guys that strangely Pochettino had sat at the beginning of the season. Remember? Yeah. And everyone was asking, why are those two guys on the bench? Remember? Yeah, I remember. And that was probably the only way he could figure out to control this situation. Because if you pick one and don't pick the other, um, and let's say the players have taken sides, then it, it, it causes more trouble. If you play them both... Um, you probably have two, one or two players that aren't focused. So, and, and as a result, I, I mean, know. It, I hope you know, it's not true, but I, I have a bad feeling it might be. Well, and, and I just wonder how much of this did this have a some sort of it, did this play some sort of part in Ericsson's move being scu- scuppered? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of questions that just cut that just you know need to be answered, or well, I don't know if they need to be answered, but I mean, a lot of questions that may be answered. Uh, by these rumors, uh, they are rather seedy well, rumors like for sure. Going on but, at the end know. of last season, and that's why Pochettino said, "Hey, if we win, I'm leaving." Maybe he knew there was a volatile situation in the dressing room, and this would be a way to get out of it. Maybe, who knows? No clue. It is fun to speculate. Uh, of course, not fun to be on the receiving end of that situation, but uh, uh, we'll find out. Uh, regardless, I think Spurs bounce back here, uh, Kartik. Uh, I'm going to say 2-0, only because Brighton have, what, scored five goals on the season. I mean, they're hardly prolific. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, as problematic as Spurs are, uh, Brighton are not buying Munich. No, <laughs> not even close to Bayern Munich. They, they do both start with a B. That would even be the reserves for Bayern Munich. So, well, yeah, I, I hear you on this. D- despite both teams' names starting with a B. That's about where the similarities yeah, end. So, uh, where it ends. so I'm going to say 2-0 for Spurs. I suspect they'll bounce back from this. Uh, they have something to prove, and I, I suspect they'll do uh, just that. All right, when we uh, we got one minute left in this segment. Uh, the next match is critical, Kartik critical 
Everton are visiting Burnley at Turf Moor, so this is away. Uh, Everton only have one point on the road, Kartik. That was an opening day point they got. Three losses in a row against Bournemouth, Sheffield United, and Manchester City. Look, we mentioned it uh, in the open segment. Marco Silva is on the hot seat. He's the bookmaker's favorite to get the sack next at five to four odds, which is essentially uh, just a hair over. Uh, it's, it's uh, uh, well, crappy odds. You don't want to have five to four odds of getting sacked. It means you're on the way out the door. Uh, when we come back, we're going to pick up discussion of this match, uh, Burnley-Everton. Uh, I think this is a make-or-break match for Everton's season. I know it's only eight games in. But that's what I think. All right, we're going to uh, take a break, I believe, are we? Yes, we are. We're going to take a break here on Fifth Street Soccer. We'll be right back with more after this. All right, we are going through the Premier League matches this weekend. We uh, have dealt with Brighton and Tottenham already. We are on Burnley and Everton. This one is almost a must-win game for Everton, at least for Everton's manager, Marco Silva, who's currently oddsmaker's favorite, uh, 5-4 to four to get the sack. Uh, the bookies on this one, uh, they have, uh, let's have a look, they have Everton, uh, actually is the favorites at plus 122, Burnley at plus 245. Surprisingly or not, I like Burnley for a 2-1 win at plus 245. Uh, those, That's my pick, Kartik. How do you see this one? I like Burnley in this match. They're very tough to beat a tur- turf more. Uh, if, they, if they don't win this match, they'll draw. I do not see an Everton win, and I don't know how Marco Silva... Um, gets past this uh this international break unless he wins this match i mean i, I guess in theory uh they could persist with him for another four weeks but until the next international break uh that's about the time ronald kuman was sacked uh two seasons ago what started this um this cycling of managers at everton although uh you know i think it was a, a great thing for the dutch uh, for the netherlands that kuman got the sack yeah exactly right? exactly and, uh, Obviously, they, they've got you know a great generation of players right now, and, and Kuman, uh, with his pedigree as a player, the right man to lead them. So uh, Everton did them a favor, but man, I, I I don't know. I think I think we're looking at a a possible situation where they are going to have to appoint a caretaker manager once Silva is sacked, just get through uh, May, and then reboot the whole thing. Go out and get a big time manager and start culling the payroll because the thing in Everton is they have bought so many players uh, the last couple of windows and many of them in the same positions and uh, they've had so many different managers doing these buys. Uh, Nick, the, the team is is just it's bloated in in some areas and then it's incredibly deficient in others. So they're kind of in a situation not that dissimilar from uh, from from where. Um, Arsenal were at the end of the at the Wenger era, and and I think uh, there was a culling of players that's taken place there. Uh, I'm not sure if Unai Emery is the right guy to lead them forward, but um, they certainly look like they have a healthier um, philosophy in terms of of, of players uh, selection and recruitment than uh, Everton does now. All right. Well, I I think we're in agreement here. I don't think either of us see Everton winning, although you know it's always a distinct possibility. But I, I do like Burnley for this one. 
Uh, look, I mean, the problems uh, with Everton run deep, as we've discussed. You're quite right. They don't have a good mix of players. They may have good players, but this is a team that's only scored six goals in seven games and have conceded, you know, almost two goals a game, Carter. Defensively, uh, this Everton team is an absolute mess. Uh, Burnley, on the other hand, uh, they've been scoring pretty prolifically, although, you know, they've also been conceding goals. That's why I see this as a 2-1 Burnley win. Yeah, that sounds right. I'll go with that same scoreline. All right, next off to Anfield, where I've been looking for any way that I can see a draw on this match because it's, quite frankly, so bloody juicy at plus 436 uh, for the draw. Um, Look, Liverpool don't look good. I want to put that out here. This team does not look great, but they are doing what champions do when they're not doing when they're not looking great in that they're winning games despite that fact uh midweek um against red bull salzburg no better example of that you know they go up 3-0 all of a sudden it was what 3-3 and then they score the fourth goal yeah. to win it um i i look i'm a liverpool fan everybody knows that uh, i'm trying to be as um trying to be as uh shall we say, analytical as possible about this. Uh, you know, we talk about Liverpool's defense and we talk about how this they're not looking nearly as strong defensively as they did last season. I, I would point out that the uh, numbers don't actually bear that out. Uh, defensively, they are about the same as they were last season. They have conceded five goals in seven games. I mean, they, are, they do have the best defensive record in the league, uh, joined only by Leicester City, the other team in this match. So it is fascinating to see uh, Liverpool, though, scored uh, you know, a fair number of goals more than uh, Leicester. Look, this is Brendan Rodgers coming home to Liverpool, trying to make a point. I'm, I was so tempted to take a draw on this one, Kartik, but I, it just a little, a little voice in me says this is a 1-0 or a 2-1 game. Yeah, I actually think it might be 1-0 because uh, what we've seen Liverpool is really good at is getting a goal um, when they're not playing well and being able to kind of shut up shop if they need to. And I think um, Trent Alexander-Arnold may be the weak link on that back line. Think about that when I say that because that is the way uh, Jesse Marsh and – and, and, and Red Bull Salzburg looked at things uh, and they attacked him and then they had some success. But think about that for a minute. A guy who is one of the best right backs in the world uh, is the weak link. So you're talking about two very good center backs, uh, although I'm not I'm not sure Matip's going to play. If Matip's not playing, then then that's uh, maybe changes the equation a little bit. But still, you, you get Gomez and, and Van Dyke. That's still pretty good. Yeah. And then at left back, Andy, Andy Robertson, to me, right now, the top left back the top, uh, not only in the Premier League, but arguably on the planet. So uh, I, I think 1-0 sounds right. It might be 2-0. They might uh, uh, nick a goal at the end. Again, I have to stress this. I don't know how many times i said this on this show thus far this season. Leicester at times will frustrate us because they have a very young squad, a very talented squad, but a squad whose entire core, with the exception of uh, Jamie Vardy and um, – uh, you know, uh, Johnny Evans is below the age of 23. So you have to take the good with the bad. These are the sorts of matches that are exceedingly tough. And sometimes young players just don't perform uh, when you go to a place like Anfield. Don't hold it against them if they lose 2 or 3 nil. I think uh, it'll just be a blip. All right, let's move along, shall we? Carroll Road, uh, this is a fascinating match. Uh, one of the more interesting matches 
on the weekend. We are talking about the two promoted teams. Norwich got promoted after flying high in the championship uh, last season. Uh, they found it difficult this season. They had a, a good start early on um, with four points, what, in the first two matches, right? Uh, but yeah. It's been tough. Uh, goal scoring is um, has been. Uh, I won't say it's been. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not necessarily been Norwich's problem because we know they come out and they attack. Uh, defensively, Norwich have found that the teams they're facing in the Premier League are not the same as the teams they're facing. They faced in the Championship. They have conceded. I want to say the most goals of any team in the Premier League outside of Watford, and that is the problem. Uh, they've conceded 16 goals in seven. Look, neither Watford, uh, pardon me, neither Norwich or Aston Villa. Again, Villa, a team that spent hundreds of millions of pounds in new players, but doesn't seem yet to have got any sort of chemistry. You know, I think the problem with Villa, by the way, just to just to go on a side here, isn't the lack of chemistry. It's a lack of any type of definable playing identity. I think they brought in so many new players. Yeah. It, it, you, you just, you know, I could tell you what sort of football just about any one of these teams play. Except Aston Villa leave me a bit perplexed. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, I think that's problematic because I think that they are um, a, a, a side that um, is not uh, playing the type of football they did at the end of last season in the championship. Now, albeit they had Tammy Abraham as their striker. Now, think about that in the championship, considering how good he's been in the Premier right, League and right. Champions League so far this season. Um, and... and they mixed and matched too much. But at the end of last season, they were playing nice passing football, quick movement, uh, some really, really good stuff heading into the playoffs. And then they obviously won that final against uh, Frank Lampard and Darby. Darby that yeah, was Mount yeah. versus Abraham, actually, right. that final. Um, but uh, Norwich didn't haven't added anyone. They have the same squad they did in the championship. They do have an identifiable, identifiable playing identity. It's Daniel Farkas style, which is also Jurgen Klopp style. And, yeah. Uh, the Dortmund style. Uh, uh, high pressing. Uh, high intensity, uh, never never sitting deep, never uh, inviting the opponent onto you. So, uh, I, I, I still I, I think Norwich is probably still in better shape, even though they're both uh, flirting with relegation right now. And I think Norwich will get uh, probably get the three points here. I disagree. I'm going to go for the plus two forty nine on the draw on this one, Kartik. I think this is going to be a score draw at one okay. one. Uh, let's have a look. Norwich are plus 118. The favorites, Aston Villa plus 228. Plus 280 for the draw uh, now. Uh, so those odds have widened a bit since I did this last time. Uh, but those are the odds I'm going to take because, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know, I think each of these teams is going to take a point. But very important match for both of them. Because... Yeah, I, I think for Villa this match is more important. Um, they're going to need to um, – they're really going to need to try and, and get three points here if they can. Uh it's early still. I, I don't really like looking at the table until the 10th match, but uh, Villa does concern me because they brought in so many new players. They might have just, you know, spent too much and, and they're never going to integrate this team together. So I, I, they need something. If they get that draw, that'd be great for them. All right, let's go to the next match. Uh, Watford against Sheffield United. Watford currently the only unbe the only team that is winless in the Premier League, a shadow of their former self from last season. I mean, you know, last season we were talking about some beautiful football that Watford were playing. But I think this weekend, Kartik, uh, the bookies would agree with me, plus 108. I think Watford get the win. I'm going to say 2-1 for Watford. 
Yeah, I say the same. I, I think 2-1 is right. Uh, we, we love how Chris Wilder's Sheffield uh, United team have played, and uh, they are going to be a real uh, real, real push to try and stay in the, in the division this year. They have a real shot, but Watford need this result. Kiki Sanchez-Flores, who's just come in, replacing Javi Gracia, needs this result. I think they get it. Um, and uh, it's yeah, at home. I'll say two one as well. Yeah, it's at home, and yeah. and and you know we're waiting for the shall we say the new manager bounce. Unfortunately, uh, it's been bouncing nowhere except the trash can uh, for Watford uh, since the replacement. So yeah. I do think the rot stops here. All right, we do have to go to a break, so we're going to do that. Uh, when we come back, we'll pick it up next match. The London Stadium, another cracking one. West Ham, Crystal Palace. Don't go anywhere. Ooh. All right, welcome back. Nick and Kartik with you. We're going through our Premier League preview for this weekend's matches. We have just about run out of the Saturday matches, but there's a big one still to talk about. West Ham Crystal Palace at the London Stadium. Kartik, uh, in a battle between Perrier and uh, Pellegrini, uh, Pellegrino, I like Pellegrino, and, you know, I like Pellegrini as well as the manager of uh, West Ham United. I think he's a quality manager, and um, I think this team is uh, has earned every one of the points they've had to date, sitting pretty currently in fifth spot. West Ham are going to be a force to contend with. Uh, they're unbeaten in their last four, five matches. Um, it's hard for me to see Crystal Palace, who have been really up and down. We know we had, they had the whole issue with Zaha, um, wanting away, then deciding he was going to play, then maybe he was going to take a leadership role. The bottom line is Crystal Palace just don't really, aren't really scoring any goals. Uh, this, to me, is another one of these patented 2-1 scorelines, Kartik. I'm going to go with West Ham for the win. 2-1 at plus 106. How do you see it? I'm going to go West Ham 3-1. I think uh, we saw uh, in their match against Spurs how... Um, how much uh, uh, Palace can leak goals if pressed. I think that this is a great opportunity uh, at the London Stadium for West Ham to really assert themselves and continue to show uh, their ability potentially to finish in the top six this season. So uh, I like West Ham 3-1, I'm going to say, in this game. By the way, how good is Andre Yarmolenko? I mean, he just came back from his long-term oh, injury. I mean, he's terrific, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, he's a player uh, that that I love for Ukraine, loved uh, seeing in Champions League. Went to Borussia Dortmund um, and had you know kind of an underwhelming season in the Bundesliga two years ago, um, uh, and uh, uh, had injury problems there too. Came to West Ham, started really well, and then you know horrible injury, and. Uh, now, at the start of this season, looks like the player that, that, that we, I expected at Dortmund two years ago. Just phenomenal. And, and you talk about having Lanzini fit. You talk about having him fit. Jack Wilshire is fit, knock on wood, because I don't know how long that's going to yeah. last. Uh, but when you get Felipe... It's Anders, not too windy outside, is it? Because if the wind blows, Jack <laughs> Wilshire will pick up an injury, I think. Right, right. But but with all these guys fit right now, West Ham is a really strong side. Again, I don't know how long it'll last. We're talking about perennially uh, injured players. Actually, Mark Noble is also fit. Um, 
Uh, so, I, yeah, I, right now, I, I really like what we see from West Ham. I, I'm going to say 3-1. All right, good uh, good choice there. Plus 106, West Ham, a good little value there. All right, uh, let's go to the Emirates where Arsenal are going to host Bournemouth. And look, <laughs> Arsenal can attack. We know that, right? Arsenal can score goals. That's not really an issue. If they have problems, uh, if they're problems with the Gunners, uh, scoring goals isn't one of them. This team is unbeaten in their last four matches, although they do only have one win. Uh, but they have still scored 12 goals on the season, but they have conceded almost as many. And that therein, folks, is the problem uh, with Arsenal Football Club. Uh, Brighton, on the other hand, can't really score. Uh, pardon me. We're talking about Bournemouth, not Brighton. Uh, Bournemouth, on the other hand, can score goals and also will concede goals. So when I look at this game, Kartik, I think Arsenal going to win this game but I have a feeling this might well be a 3-2 or a 2-1. We're going to get goals in this sucker. 3-2. Yeah, I think it'll be similar to the Villa game, even though Arsenal were down a man in that match. Bournemouth will get goals. Uh, Bournemouth are going to get better at some point this season, and, and they're they're pretty good already. But Ryan Fraser is injured, uh, has not played well. Uh, D- David Brooks hasn't played at all. So those are two of their main men, and uh, – uh, I, I I really like the contributions that Philip Billing has brought to this team since coming over from Huddersfield. I wasn't sure about that signing, uh, although I guess you know you shouldn't judge him by Huddersfield's right. other performance. Or even worse, they're in the relegation zone now in the Championship uh, without him and without Aaron Moy, who's gone to Brighton. Uh, yeah, I say three two. I think for what, whatever reason we've been picking on Arsenal a lot, but they're getting results. Yeah, they are. It's not very convincing in the process. But the league seems so disjointed at the top this year. Um, maybe getting results is all you need to do to finish in the top four. Yeah, we're going to see. Uh, I, we do both predict an Arsenal win here. Not a lot of value in that, though, at uh, minus 247. All right, uh, let's go along to uh, your boys uh, at the Etihad. It's Man City against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And um, we don't need to spend a great deal of time on this match. This is going to be 3-0 Manchester City. And at minus 738, uh, the bookmakers would tend to agree. Uh, if you want to take a flyer on Wolves, so uh, you'll get plus 2,338, Kartik. <laughs> you have Wolves a different... To uh, emphasize, they put out midweek and, and got, got three points. They did, in Europe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they uh, was, was their strongest possible lineup, so... I, uh, I assume they're going to rotate. Well, maybe it's smart because they're, they're going to the Etihad. They probably aren't going to get anything anyway. So might as well focus on the winnable match midweek and just, uh, uh, you know, give it a run out with uh, with some reserves on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be three or four nil. Maybe, maybe Wolves get a goal. Maybe because uh, City still have a problem with central defense. So let's say three one uh, City. That sounds about right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to go with it. I don't think they're going to score, by the way. So you'll go 3-0. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next one. Let's go to St. Mary's where Southampton are hosting Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea are the favorites at plus 106. Um, you know, I actually like a draw for this game, Kartik. Um, I, I would say the odds makers favor Chelsea. But the draw odds are actually better than the odds of a Southampton win. They're plus 266. Uh, I kind of like a 1-1 on this one. Um you know, we know Chelsea can play nice football, and they do play with a lot of energy and pace. But, you know, Southampton can punish them. Yeah, I think uh, Chelsea are going to win. Uh, Danny Ings has two goals off of 
bad goalkeeper errors this year. The one from Adrian against Liverpool, and then yeah. the one from Lloris. I mean, that that was just a howler uh, uh, from against Spurs. I'm not sure. I mean, Chelsea defensively have gotten better, but I'm not sure Southampton are going to have enough to to, to hang with them because uh, Tamore uh, has has returned has uh, fit in now. Uh, we saw Reese uh, Reese James play midweek uh, in Champions League and have a, a nice match. Uh, I think Rudiger might be back for this game. Um, maybe they maybe they give him the international break uh, to try and he, uh, heal up. And I, I just think Chelsea going forward, uh, they have so many weapons. We're seeing that again now. Uh, Mount has obviously started the year uh, well. Uh, Abraham is one of the best strikers right now in the Premier League. Willian and Pedro, two experienced guys who've won so much in this sport. Again, rising to the occasion and, under Frank Lampard. And, of course, Ross Pulisic. Barkley playing about as well as he's played in years. And, and who? And Christian Pulisic, of course. All right, and Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's come back from injury and is looking really sharp. Yeah, that other guy you mentioned, I'm not even sure. <laughs> 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 that that uh, what a Pulisic, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I was watching NBC. That's that. They're building him up for this game, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Pulisic, by the way, did not even make the bench in Champions League in midweek. Yeah, I um, know. He, he'll get there. Just got to back off him. All right, look. I say a draw. You yeah. say a Chelsea win. We're going to differ on that one. Next game. Uh, this is a humdinger of a match. Uh, both these teams in desperate need of points. Newcastle, Man United at St. James Park, Kartik Krishnaya, Steve Bruce. If we go down the, uh, let's go down the sack race and see where people are. Uh, currently, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is actually second in line for the sack at six to six to one. Look, I feel absolutely convinced that that, that they are not going to sack Solskjaer. I think this is not a Solskjaer yeah. problem. I think United have come out in support of him. I, I think putting another manager is not going to solve any of their problems. I think the bookies are having a, having a laugh here. I don't see Solskjaer going. However, Steve Bruce is 14 to 1. And look, um, Newcastle, you know, they can't afford to get relegated, Kartik. I mean, it's just not in the cards they can't for afford. They can't afford to get relegated, but I also don't know if Steve Bruce is going to get the sack because Mike Ashley tends to be fa- – uh, Patient with his managers, and Steve Bruce is a Jordy, uh, even though we associate him. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, club captain. I, I think he might he might hang in there for a little while. It's another interesting thing. Th- this may have changed because Steve Bruce has managed so many so many places, but now. But I remember a time where he had never beaten his mentor, Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, uh, he had gotten draws against him, but he never. So I think he may still have that as a manager. He's never beaten Manchester United. If he's ever going to do it, this would be the time. Um, but I think I know. I just this just has draw written all over it, doesn't it? Or, well, or United win? Well, Ray Orozco sends us a note on Facebook and says he'd love it if Steve Bruce could beat Man United. If Newcastle, obviously Steve Bruce himself is not, but Newcastle could beat Man United. Um, that is a Kevin Keegan tweet. Of uh, 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 tweet. My goodness, there was no Twitter in those days. Yeah. Kevin Keegan quote. I'd love it. Right about Manchester about beating. Yeah, Manchester absolutely. United. I'd, I'd love, love it if we yeah. beat them. Um, I mean, look, these are the 10th in the table and the 19th in the table. I mean, how times they have changed, right? Uh, United yes. are pretty bloody awful, to be fair. I mean, they drew Arsenal. They lost uh, away at uh, West Ham United. They beat Leicester by one goal to nil. Uh, drew Southampton. Uh, lost at home to Crystal Palace. 
it's so it, it's it's, it's, it's really tough to know. Look, they've only conceded they've only scored nine goals in seven games. They've conceded seven. Um, Newcastle have scored four goals in seven games and conceded thirteen. It's hard for me to see Newcastle getting the points here. Um, I. I um, Four of those United goals were against uh, uh, Man United goals were against Chelsea. Now that yeah, was a young true. Chelsea team that had, was starstruck. My goodness, I mean that that's why you can't get too too crazy about what happens the first uh, uh, match day of the season. Yeah, I mean, exactly. we're already thinking Chelsea is miles ahead of Manchester United when they lost them four nil uh, the first day of the season because they've gone in completely opposite directions since then. Those two clubs. Yeah. Um... I mean, you know, I'm just laughing at Newcastle, which I, I really shouldn't do. But, I mean, th- they just gave up against Leicester at the King Power last week. 5-0. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, how embarrassing is it? This match, to me, Kartik, is a nil-nil draw. Mm. Maybe a 1-1. But uh, uh, this, this is a draw. I, I said 1-1, didn't I? Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. Uh the draw is plus two fifty one. The home win is a plus three twelve. Man United win. They are the favourites to win this at minus one nineteen. But I think you and I think alike, Kartik. We think draw all the way on this one. All right, yeah, very quickly. That's gonna wrap up our Premier League preview. Let's talk about the sack race. Okay, I'm gonna go down in order of the three, six, seven, nine favourites for the sack. Uh num- topping the sack race, Marco Silva at five to four. Uh, from Everton, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer next at United at six to one. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino at Tottenham at ten to one is third place. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo at Wolves is twelve to one, uh, tied with Kiki Sanchez Flores at uh, Watford. So if you have three names in your name, you are likely to be in the sack race. Uh, uh, Steve Bruce at uh, fourteen to one. Uh, Ralph Hassenhutel at Southampton. That's a bit unfair, don't you think? At sixteen to That's one, really Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace. He's not going anywhere. Twenty to one, and Graham Potter at Brighton. He's not going anywhere either. At twenty-five to one, I think we're just getting down uh, the list. But what do you think about that, Kartik? I mean, we we really don't have much time left, and I know you have to go. But other than Marco Silva, Pochettino's not getting fired, but he may leave. Yeah, I don't. Do you know Espirito Santo is on that list? That's weird. Uh, just uh, they're going to ride out whatever bad Premier League form they have because they've emphasized Europe. He's not going anywhere. And then there was another name on that list that stunned me. Um, All right. Well, uh, oh yeah, Roy hey, Hodgson. If yeah. the only, only we're out of time. Would be if he retires, we're out of yeah, time. Yeah. Kartik, we'll check back in with you with mon- on Monday. I'll be right back after on this. Monday. All right, uh, welcome back, Mystery Soccer. Nick Gieber with you. I want to thank uh, Kartik, uh, my co-host, who actually had to run off. He's doing a uh, piece on the. Uh, he's doing a uh, uh, breakdown of the championship for Talk Sports, so he had to go. Uh, but it's only a short segment. We're gonna wrap. We're gonna wrap up our picks for the weekend. Uh, let's start with Brighton at the Amex. Kartik uh, and I both predicted a win here for Tottenham Hotspur as they will face Brighton away at the Amex. Uh, Turf Moor, Burnley will host Everton. Uh, we predicted a 2-1 Burnley win and some nice value there at plus 245. Uh, Liverpool-Leicester, 
Uh, Kartik and I both look for a Liverpool victory, although neither of us are convinced this is going to be a particularly high-scoring game. Norwich against Aston Villa. I think uh, Carrow Road. I think we may have differed on this. For me, I like the draw on this one at 1-1. Norwich, you know, they're basically... Uh, concede goals like crazy, what, 16 goals in seven games. Neither of these teams are scoring a lot. I like the draw on this one, plus 249, a 1-1 score, Carroll Road, uh, Aston Villa visiting Norwich. Uh, Watford at Sheffield United. Uh, Kartik and I were were unanimous in our consensus on this one. Uh, Welcome to some points in the Premier League. Watford, uh, we see them getting their first win of the season. Uh, The London Stadium, West Ham versus Crystal Palace. Uh, Kartik and I both think the uh, rather good-looking West Ham, they're looking good these days, will get the win over Palace. I think we both went for a 2-1 scoreline, as I believe we did at the uh, Emirates uh, for Arsenal Bournemouth, we predict an Arsenal victory there. Man City Wolves at the Etihad, uh, we both predict a fairly nice size scoreline uh, for City. Southampton Chelsea, Kartik's going for a Chelsea win. I'm going for a uh, a draw on that one. And finally, uh, Newcastle Man United, uh, we both think that that's going to be uh, basically a draw. All right, that's going to wrap it up, folks. Uh, We'll be back on the air with you on Monday with more Fifth Street Soccer. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.